Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. And uh, yeah, the great work that uh, they all do. Fantastic. Well, we're starting this new series today, Forever 21. Who wishes that they were 21? Yep, some do. I'm sure that those of you that have been here for a while will uh, know that I absolutely hate clothes shopping with a passion and uh, my wife seems to love it with a passion. Um, The tricky part is, is that I get mad at her when she does buy things because... I've kind of been to places like China and Cambodia and um, Vietnam and been to some of the factories where they make the clothes and spoken to some of them a dollar or two and then they decide that they want to sell it to my wife for like $120 and she thinks that, you know, if it has a 50% off, you know, marker on it that she's actually saving money. So she kind of, you know, I get mad at her when she does buy it but I think I kind of get more mad at her when she doesn't buy anything because there's been times there was this one time in particular I can remember that we were in the uh, ladies clothing section of Maya for 50 minutes 50 minutes I'm not exaggerating this is not pastor's exaggeration time and she bought nothing the entire time And there is a store that she does love to go into quite regularly called Forever 21. And every time I'm in there, I think and feel like it is called Forever 21 because it feels like forever that I'm in this clothing store waiting for her to see what she's going to come out with. But in this time that I have, I start to think, what would it be like if I was forever 21. If I was 21 forever, what would it be like for you if you were 21 forever? I think it would be, it would be amazing that I wouldn't have these grey hairs. I didn't have any grey hairs before, before I was 21, before I was married. Um, I think I would be probably about 12 kilos lighter George this morning saw what I was wearing and he said, can't you do up your shirt? You're sort of gaining a bit of weight. So thanks for that, George. Just uh, keep, that, keep that midsection uh, sort of covered. I, I would be a lot fitter and healthier and stronger and, and faster than I am now. Although I do have to say, the other day, my 22-year-old daughter challenged me to a race and I did actually win. Yeah, that deserves a round of applause. She was not feeling 100% at the time, and she was wearing jeans, and so it probably wasn't all that fair, but I'm kind of a bit afraid to race her again, just in case I do get beaten. (laughs) So, I kind of think, yeah, being forever 21 might be good. I was earning more money than what I'm earning now. I had no bills and no responsibilities. So maybe that is, when we get to heaven, maybe that is the age we stay forever. 
But then I do think, despite of having to wait 50 minutes for her, uh, looking like a bit of a strange guy in, clothing, in ladies' clothing stores, I wasn't married at 21, and I would rather be married than not. That I was saved at 21, I got saved... Uh, when I was 20, so I was saved, but my depth and my understanding, my knowledge of who God is and just how much He loves me is nowhere near what it is today. It seems to just be able to grow each and every day. So I don't think that I would want to trade that for anything. And so if it does mean... You know, putting on a few extra kilos, having a few grey hairs, and even having those bills and responsibilities. I mean, I have travelled the world. I've seen people saved and miraculously healed. I've seen people delivered from oppressions and addictions. I've performed dozens of marriages, dedicated new babies, baptised people, done hundreds of funerals, remembering people's lives. We've started churches, we've trained and ordained pastors, and I've become a spiritual father to many who have either lived with us directly or just come under the covering here of the church. So I don't know that I would want to go back to being 21 and be like that forever. But what if, you know, we could pick and choose... Pick and choose the things that we actually take on and the things that we do leave on that clothing rack. And I'm not one of these prosperity gospel preachers that is sort of saying that at the end of this series, you're going to have a million dollars in the bank and you're going to have no grey hairs and you're all going to be 12 kilos lighter. I mean, I'm sure that uh, if I made that promise that, you know, we would get so many more people coming back but that's not what we're on about you see if you're in this room and you're not yet saved you haven't yet made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life I want to say to you there's more there's more to life than what you've experienced so far. And if you're in this room and you have made Jesus the Lord and Saviour of your life, I want to say to you, there's more, always more. In John 10, 10, it says, A thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. And I have come so that they may have life. I want them to have it in the fullest possible way. Are we all living life in the fullest possible way? Can we kind of have experienced, whether we're a Christian or not, we've kind of experienced the fact that some decisions steal and kill and destroy. They steal and kill and destroy from our future. But then also, whether we're a Christian or not, there are some decisions, some habits that we have that actually do give us life in the fullest possible way. So what are those and how can we 
reproduce those and how can we remove those decisions, those habits that we have that lead to that stealing, killing and destroying that Jesus mentions. So rest assured, I did not call this series after a clothing store. But depending on who you ask, different experts have different ideas. But some experts kind of say that in 21 days, you can break old habits and start new ones. And so this is a three-week series that we're starting today or a 21 days uh, journey that we're kind of going on. And my prayer is, is that maybe at the end of this 21 days, for every person in this room right now, maybe there is one bad habit, one life-destroying, destructive habit that you can break and maybe one good positive habit that you can start in the next 21 days that is going to impact our eternity. And I don't know if you've thought about this before, you know, we, we think about habits and we think, yeah, sounds good, we could all do with changing some of our habits, but do we actually have habits in eternity? Are there habits that we're going to have in heaven? I mean, we're not going to have to go to the, to the gym in heaven. You're not even going to have to brush your teeth in heaven. I mean, when we're going in to, to worship, we don't need to enter into those habits. And you're not going to need to get into the habit of making sure that the oven and the iron are turned off before you leave the house. Who does that? Who has that as a habit? So there's lots of kind of good habits that we have, but none of those are what we would call eternal habits. So what are those good, not just good, great, not just great, but eternal habits that God wants us to start now that will continue forever. In Psalm 119, David says, My hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually, forever and ever. And I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts, for I find delight in your commandments, which I love. kind of wasn't expecting that. Plus, I mean, doesn't it sound a bit like a contradiction in terms that he's sort of saying, talking all about rules and loving rules and, and laws, and don't rules and laws just restrict us? Don't they just confine us? So how if we follow rules and laws and commandments, how can it lead to wide open spaces? And these commandments that he's talking about, is that the Ten Commandments? Let's read them and we're going to find out. So the Ten Commandments, 
are these, taken from the Scriptures in Exodus 20. You can see that it kind of goes from verse 1 to 17. And so I've chopped out some parts in the middle to just focus in just on the commandments themselves. It says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. And we can read those and we can kind of go, yeah, I kind of agree in principle. It's it's kind of a good thing not to kill people. Yeah. We kind of agree with that and that you shouldn't lie, you shouldn't steal. But can we say that we love them? That we love these rules and laws? Can we say that they're going to lead us to heaven and to those wide open spaces? I mean, if all that we're going to do in heaven is eternally just do these things or don't do these things, that these are the habits that we're going to continually do. But in hell, if there's other habits, you know, like drinking and watching pornography and doing that kind of stuff and you're kind of free to do whatever you want, maybe heaven is not as free a place as hell is and maybe some people might think well maybe we'd rather be in hell if it gives us the freedom to do what we want or maybe we've just misunderstood what freedom eternity and love is actually all about now I'm sure that the farmers that are seeding currently in the room would be able to vouch for this fact. Not a very mind-blowing fact, but there is more land in Australia than water. Does that kind of make sense? Does Does everybody agree with that? So what if we went down to the Murray River and we caught a carp, because that's about all you're going to catch down at the Murray River, and we kind of said, okay, we've got this, we've got this carp and uh, we start speaking to the carp and we kind of say, okay, carp, you need to be free. Look at that, look at that water. It's kind of it's dirty and as big as the Murray is here, it's kind of still... Look at all the land there is compared to the water, that dirty water. And so I'm going to grant you your freedom and I'm going to take you out of the confines of the water, of the river, and I'm going to place you lovingly on the bank for you to enjoy your freedom, as much freedom as you want. And I'm sure maybe you've seen loving people do this before or maybe you've walked, been walking down the river and you've seen that carp two or three or four days into their newfound freedom. <laughs> and how do they look? 
do they look like they're enjoying their freedom? Does it look like they're more free because of the removal of the barriers and the confines that were there? Or do they actually look less free? Wide open space. You see, freedom and being in those wide open spaces is not the absence of boundaries and rules and laws but more so the presence of the right ones. So how do we know which ones are the right ones? How do we know, like, you know, we've got all these Ten Commandments and David is kind of saying that these are going to lead us to wide open spaces. And they seem hard enough. And then Jesus comes along and he says in Matthew 5, he says... You've heard it said to those who lived long ago, don't commit murder, which is what we just read in the commandments. That's what he's referring to. And all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say that anyone who is angry with their brother and sister will be in danger of judgment. If they say to their brother or sister, you idiot you'll be in danger of being condemned by the governing council. And if you say, you fool, they will be in danger of fiery hell. Okay, so I kind of, I got this idea, yep, don't, don't murder, yep. So I can, is now also saying, don't call anybody a fool, don't call anybody an idiot. And so as long as I don't see anyone that, Oh, Abby. Maybe if I, just, if I can just sort of stand over here in the, and, and not, look at, not look at Abby, not look at anybody else, I can maybe just get through life without calling anybody a fool or an idiot or anything like that. And so if I, can just, if I can just stay out of everybody's way for the next 80 years, I might just scrape through. Is that the abundant life in its fullness that God is wanting for us? To just give us a list of things not to do? Maybe that's not the way that's going to lead us to life and freedom. So maybe we should look then, rather than looking to the scriptures, maybe we should look to the things of this world because the world seems to be, have a lot of ideas about what's going to lead us to freedom. And so maybe instead of reading the Ten Commandments, maybe we should look to these ten ideas. So I've sort of changed the Ten Commandments to line up with kind of what the world says is going to bring us life and, and freedom and those wide open spaces. So do you want me to read through the, uh, the Ten Commandments as rewritten for the way that the world thinks? Here we go. Are you ready? Thou shalt tolerate all gods, horoscopes, spirits, crystals and energies. Thou shalt swipe right on all Baben images. Thou shalt not take photos and post unedited 
hashtag vain. Remember the Saturday night to keep it holy for yourself. Dishonor your father and your mother. Thou shalt kill all ideologies, systems, corporations, institutions, and anyone that disagrees with you. Thou shalt not commit to anything or anyone. Thou shalt not feel. Instead of thou shalt not steal. I mean, I base truth on my feelings, but thou, thou shalt not feel because your feelings might be different to mine. Thou shalt not let anyone witness your search history. Thou shalt not covet anyone's lifestyle with under a million followers. So these are the habits that the world says will lead us to freedom. And this emerging generation has access to more resources, been more connected, and had the least restrictions of any generation ever in existence. But this has not led them, this list of things has not led them to those wide open spaces. You see, even before the pandemic, this emerging generation has been the most anxious, fearful, addicted, confused, suicidal, abused, bullied, disconnected, busy, purposeless and hopeless generation in existence. Just like that carp lying on the bank, surrounded by air, but struggling to breathe. So this can't be the way either. These habits are leading them or anyone who follows them to death and destruction and away from that life in the fullest that God promised. So maybe society is wrong. Maybe David was wrong. Maybe God was wrong. Or maybe there's something else going on that we can't see. What was the context of what was happening in the lives of the Israelites at the time that those commandments were given. Well, they had just come out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. They'd been given this task. Their whole job was to simply be brick makers. And they had to work day after day after day. And so when God comes along and he gives them the commandment to remember the Sabbath day, what he is saying is, you have, your life is worth more than just to build. But you need to belong. And so I want to have a day off with you. That they lived in a time as slaves where an Egyptian could kill an Israelite 
and it kind of meant nothing because they weren't considered as, as people, they were considered as, as property. And so if you owned a slave, you could legally kill the slave. And so they were taught that their life was worth nothing. And so they were always looking over their shoulder, watching their back. And so when God gives the commandment, he says, do not commit murder. What he's actually saying is, your life has value. Your life has meaning. Your life is of infinite worth to me. And so if anyone touches you or harms you in any way, there's going to be consequences to that. I want you not just to spend your life looking over your shoulder, watching your own back. I want you to look to me instead. In fact, there are many elements of the Ten Commandments that actually read a bit more like a wedding vow than just a list of rules and laws. And so again, I have rewritten the Ten Commandments in the form of marriage vows that God is speaking over us. So the first one, I vow to only have eyes for you. So only have eyes for me. Vow to tell me that you love me daily and I will show you that I love you. I vow to have a date day with you at least once a week. Join me. I vow to be thankful to those that gave you life. I vow to, to value all life, including yours, and you should too. I vow to be faithful to you, showing you how to be faithful to others. I vow to give you everything you need, so take nothing extra. I vow to bring light to every situation, so shine light. I vow to not want more than you can give, so you don't want more than you have, apart from always wanting more of me. Very different way of looking at those Ten Commandments, isn't it? When we see it, maybe from God's perspective rather than from ours. And this is then going to help us to establish these uh, habits that we want to take on into eternity. So, on Tuesday... It is the 22nd anniversary of Belinda and my first kiss. Did you know that? You did. And now I would, I would love to tell you that the reason that I know it's the anniversary is because it was the most magical time. It was the most, the most beautiful time that that the moment that I kissed her was the moment that I knew that I was going to marry her and that she was going to marry me. I wish I could say that. 
but it was terrible. <laughs> it was the worst kiss ever, not because of her, but because of me. I had never kissed anyone before. I didn't know what I was doing. Aside from my mum, the only lady that I had kissed was my nana. <laughs> and I knew that when it came to nana, you just gave her a little peck. So I thought, well, I want this to be nothing like nana. So I thought, what is, how can you kiss in the least thinking of Nana way possible? And like, I've kind of seen movies and stuff like that. And so, French kissing, oh, oh. the French kissing, the French, they're not kissed anybody. Like, and so I'm just like, okay, so French kissing, you kind of, you got to have your mouth open and you kind of got to have your tongue out. And I don't really know how to do that, but I'm just, I'm going in there because I'm going to be her boyfriend. <laughs> and so it was terrible. <laughs> I failed. But do you know what? 22 years later and this last week, Belinda, three weeks ago, Belinda had... COVID, which she recovered from, and then she had shingles just before she had to preach last week, and so her immune system has been down, and so early on last week, she kind of had this lingering cold, and again, I kind of went in to, to kiss her, and this time, rather than like 22 years ago when I was all saliva and not knowing what I was doing, she's just like... I'm, I've got a whole bunch of phlegm in my mouth and I don't think you want to kiss me, do you? And I said, yeah, I do. <laughs> and I think that that is the way that God wants to deal with us when it comes to setting and breaking these habits. That... When I kiss her, it's not like I, I kiss her every day, not because I have a checklist and I need to check it off, and not because I, you know, you know back then that first kiss was probably like a, a 2 out of 10, and now maybe I'm an 8 out of 10, I don't know. And so I can feel worthy to sort of come and kiss her again. No, I don't think about any of that. Even with the phlegm, even with all of that stuff going on, my desire for her drives me to want to kiss her every day. And so what God is saying with these habits and the way that he's written the Ten Commandments is he's saying, I want you to desire to be with me. That if you want to make prayer one of your daily habits, you might start off a bit like Josh 22 years ago. Your mouth might not be in the right spot and your tongue might have all these weird things kind of going on and you might not say the right words or do the right thing. But I want you to pray anyway. And you might miss a day or two or five or ten but he's like, but you can come back and 
be with me. When you're setting up habits, don't do it out of obligation. Don't do it out of ticking a box. Don't do it out of anything other than like in this marriage relationship, these are vows that were written by God to us because he desires us and he wants us to desire him and that that should actually dictate what we do and how we set up these habits and what we are doing. In the coming weeks, Tash and Mark are going to delve more into the principles of how we actually break those destructive habits and start new ones. But I wanted to start off this week by giving us a picture of what we're actually aiming for, of that motivating factor. Because just giving you all a list of what not to do just kind of confirms what we already know. The law is written on our hearts. And just giving us a list of things of what to do just makes us feel guilty if we try and do it in and of our own strength because we can't fulfill the Ten Commandments, let alone the 613 other rules and laws that the Israelites added after that. Galatians 5.16 says, I tell you, live the way the Spirit leads you. Then... You will not do the evil things your sinful self wants. So the best way to fight the dark is not to punch the air. It's simply to switch the light on. The best way to combat those evil, sinful desires that we all have is not to just sit there and try to fight those evil desires. It's actually to simply run towards the Holy Spirit. That as we move towards Him, that as we desire Him, as we desire God above all else, the Scriptures say, if we are Spirit-led, then we will not want to do what our sinful self once. So for the next 21 days, we're going to make every effort to be led by our desire to be more spirit-led, to run after the things of God. Because that is what's going to lead us to those wide open spaces that David spoke about. It's going to lead us to those forever 21 habits that we all need. And so again, for those who sort of want this challenge, I said at the start, if we could all break one bad habit and start one good habit, it would change things. And so I've rewritten again the Ten Commandments, putting in our desires but also an actual habit that God might want us to establish. Using the Ten Commandments again as the basis for that. 
So number one, I desire to meet you daily. So for the next 21 days, I will spend my first 10 minutes by Christ above all else. So for the next 21 days, I will fast from screen entertainment. I desire to only speak well of others. So for the next 21 days, I will make one positive self-declaration and give someone else one positive affirmation per day. I desire to attend church in person as often as I can, at least three out of four of the next services. I desire to honour those in authority. And so in the next 21 days, I will thank either a spiritual or a natural parent. I desire life for myself and my family. So in the next 21 days, I will cook a meal, host someone in need. I desire only my spouse or future spouse. That's not saying that you can, if you are married currently, you can't desire a future spouse. (laughs) That's for those that don't yet have a spouse. So for the next 21 days, I will not view any explicit material and I'll do one random act of love. I desire to be generous financially to the kingdom, to break any love affair that I have had with money. So for the next 21 days, I will give the first 10% of all my income. I desire light and truth. This is talking about don't lie. So when we lie, we bring things into the darkness that don't belong there. So the opposite of that is that we want to desire light and truth. And so in the next 21 days, I will tell someone I trust something that I have kept in the dark. Because we want to defeat the dark and spread the light. I will desire nothing but God. So in the next 21 days... I will give away one thing that I love. If you're already doing some of those, most of those, great. But maybe there's one thing on that list that you can commit to in the next 21 days as we go through this series. These are some of the habits that will lead us to those wide open spaces. These are some of the habits that we will actually continue on into eternity because in eternity there will be worship. In eternity the church will gather. In eternity there will be generosity, there will be light, there will be truth, there will be freedom. And there will be a table that is set celebrating what is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And there is a seat for you at that table. You see, it is important to realize that whilst all the scriptures are written to you, they are not actually about you. This is where the world gets it wrong. The world thinks that everything is about them. It's about their feelings. It's about their wants. It's about their desires. It's about their freedom. 
But all of Scripture is written to you, but it's not about you, it's all about Him. And the Scriptures include the Ten Commandments, which are written to you, but they're not actually about you. You see, if we think that they are written about us, when we inevitably fail, we will feel condemned and disempowered and hopeless. But if instead we see that it's all actually about Him and who He is and what He has done for us, all of a sudden, when we read those Ten Commandments, we actually feel empowered and we feel this overwhelming desire to move towards Him and His forever 21 calling over our life. And I said before that the Ten Commandments are a bit like wedding vows. And I have a copy here of traditional wedding vows. I, such and such, take thee, such and such, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do us part. And if I'm right that the Ten Commandments are written to us but are about Him and if they are wedding vows then this is actually what Jesus is speaking over us. He's saying, I, Jesus, take you, Alicia. I, Jesus, take you, Hayden. I, Jesus, take you, Walter. I, Jesus, take you, Adrian. To have and to hold from this day forward. And he was better. He was only better. He was richer and only richer. He was health and life and only life. We were the ones that were worse and poorer and sick. But on the cross, he became sin. He became worse and poor and sick so that we could become forever better and richer and full of life and life eternal. This is the vow that he fulfilled upon the cross because he said to love and to cherish you until my death actually unites us and brings us together rather than parts us. It's his death that caused us to be joined forever to him. Would you stand and we're going to pray. And we're going to thank him for his love. We're going to thank you for his desire for us. That it is his desire 
for us that is going to change us, mould us and shape us into His image and likeness. So yes, dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your overwhelming love for us. Though we didn't deserve it, that we were poor and weak and sick, you still came to love us, to make a vow and a pledge to love us and love us eternally. Father, I'm sure that many of us in this room have tried before to break those bad habits that have led us to death and destruction and we've tried with all our might life and life in all its fullness Father today I just pray that rather than simply trying to follow a list of rules and laws we would simply desire you, desire to be with you. Because, Lord, you desired with all that you were to be with us. You would leave heaven to be with us. You would leave perfection, leave your wealth, leave your health, leave your prosperity to be with us. I believe that that revelation is what is going to change us. That that revelation is going to be what is going to cause us to be able to break those old habits and start new ones. Simply because we desire you above all else. And as we move towards you and as we are led by your Holy Spirit, Lord, everything else that is of no eternal worth is going to fall away as we enter in to that forever marriage supper of the Lamb to celebrate with you. Let's celebrate now, church, as we worship Him. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.